Okay, well, praise the Lord. Just make sure we're on task here. Oh, yes, we've taken up the offering. All right. (laughs) It's time for the word. You know, the trouble is, when you have a, a bunch of agendas, whether it's a wedding ceremony or a Sunday service, it's so easy to forget something. And you blithely carry on, and meanwhile, there's been some great hole that you've created along the way. So we'll try not to do that today. Okay, let's have the lights out. We're going to start our message. to singing pretty triumphant songs about the church, but this song paints a very bleak picture of Jesus' bride. When she's crying, when she's hurting, when she's fallen and can't go on, when she's broken into pieces, in her mourning, lost her song. When she's crawling through the ashes and she's calling out for help. When she's reaching from her kneeling, she needs strength now beyond herself. Who will help the church? 
That's a pretty bleak picture. But is it true? Is it reality? Does the church really need help? After all, Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. But don't forget the first part of that verse in Matthew 16, verse 18. Jesus said, and I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock, I will build my church. Yes, Jesus is building his church, but he's working through people to do it. To be honest with you, I think the church in North America is in trouble, big trouble. Our culture is committed to consumerism, comfort, convenience, compromise. And often the church reflects these same kind of values. Recent studies, a number of them, have shown that 60 to 80% of young people are leaving the church in their teens and young adult age. And did you know that hundreds of pastors leave the ministry every single week? 1,500 per week, according to the latest Barna poll. And 50% of those who are left would leave if they could find another kind of work. Eight out of ten pastors and their spouses are discouraged. They've lost hope. And when you lose hope, you're not making progress. And I know some pastors in that state today. In our own spheres of responsibility. 80% of pastors who enter the ministry will leave after only five years. And only one in 10 pastors will finish their lives in pastoral ministry. Three out of four pastors say from this study, they don't have good marriages. And 30% of pastors admit to having an extramarital affair. And over 50% say they're addicted to pornography. And pastors, few of them, can say they have a true personal friend. These are heartbreaking statistics. But that's the reality of the church in the 21st century. And did you know that among the nations, there have been more martyrs in the church over the last hundred years than all the previous centuries combined? I think this song is prophetic. The church is in trouble. The church does need help. And that's the title of my message this morning. Who will help the church? And let's turn to Math Acts chapter 20. Acts chapter 20. And we're going to read a few verses here starting in verse 28. If you don't have your Bible here, you can read it. I've put it up on the overhead there just so we can see it. Acts 20 in verse 28. Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock, and from among your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. Therefore, be alert. Remembering that for three years I did not cease night or day 
to admonish everyone with tears. And now I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. I coveted no one's silver or gold or apparel. You yourselves know that these hands ministered to my necessities and to those who are with me. In all things, I've shown that by working hard in this way, we must help the weak. And remember the words of the Lord Jesus when he himself said, it is more blessed to give than it is to receive. And when Paul had said these things, he knelt down and prayed with them all. And there was much weeping on the part of them all. They embraced Paul and kissed him, being sorrowful most of all because of the word he'd spoken, that they would not see his face again. And they accompanied him to the ship. Paul is on his way to Jerusalem. He stopped in a port called Miletus near the city of Ephesus. And he sends word to the elders of the church in Ephesus. And he calls them to come to him. And these are his last words to the elders at the church in Ephesus. Let's pray together. Father, we want to thank you this morning that your word is alive and powerful. And we thank you that you are always wanting to speak to us. And when you speak, you accomplish what your words say. And we ask this morning that you will renew our thinking, you will touch our hearts and our lives. Lord, we ask that even as we listen to your word, you would be healing and restoring. And we pray that you will lift us and move us onto your agenda and closer to you as we share together in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. No matter how bleak the statistics or the circumstances are, we have great hope that Jesus will build his church and that hell will not prevail against her. Do you know why? Do you know why in the midst of these very, very sobering statistics from this recent poll, why we can be so hopeful and certain about the bride of Jesus Christ? Because we have a helper. Verse 28 says, Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Jesus said in John 16, It's to your advantage that I go away because if I don't, the helper won't come. But if I go, I will send the helper to you. Four times the scripture refers to the Holy Spirit as the helper. In John 14, verse 16, Jesus said, I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper. Jesus was saying, he's going to give you a helper exactly like me. In verse 26, Jesus said, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance All that I have said to you. And then in John 15 verse 26, Jesus says for the fourth time, when the helper comes, whom I will send from the Father, the spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness 
of me. This Greek word for helper is parakletos, and it means one called alongside to help. It comes from the word para, meaning beside or very close proximity to, and kaleo, meaning to call. The Holy Spirit is God the helper who is called very near. Who will help the church? The helper will help the church. I think that is such good news for us today. And the helper is very, very close. Jesus said, I'll give you, uh, he will be with you and will be in you. Not, is the, not only is the Holy Spirit close to us, he resides inside us. And he's with us forever. Jesus said, I'll give you another helper who will be with you forever. And he's for us. He enjoys us. He never rejects us. He never puts us down. And oh, how he loves us. He loves us, the Bible says, with an everlasting love. His love is steadfast, never impatient, never in a bad mood. And he loves us not for what we do or don't do. He just loves us because we are. Mary and I experienced something brand new these last three weeks. We had our first grandchild. I want to introduce to you Jack healthiest witness. Now, I know several of you are grandparents, and you know exactly what I'm going to say. I had only met Jack. He'd only been alive for a few minutes, 35 or 36 minutes, when I first set eyes on Jack, and I was not prepared for what happened. I loved him. I felt such love for that little boy. I hadn't even met him. He never said anything. He never did anything. He never even opened his eyes. He was just saying, what has happened to me with all the lights and sound? But I felt such love for him. And God spoke to me. He said, that is just a fraction of how much I love you. Not for what you do or don't do. Just because of who God is and you are. He loves us. And when we understand that, the Bible says, we love him. We love him because he first loved us. Oh, how he loves us. And the Holy Spirit always encourages us. Even in his rebuke and his conviction, there's always hope. And he always edifies us, builds us up, and strengthens us. And he always, always helps us. Every grace of God comes through 
the helper, the Holy Spirit. It's, it's his fruit that makes us more like Jesus. It's his gifts that enable us to minister like Jesus. It's his revelation that lets us see Jesus. It's his conviction that turns us back to Jesus. And it's his power that enables us and transforms us. We have the greatest helper in the universe. And that's his very name, Helper often translated comforter. He's all powerful, all personal, and all practical. He has all ability, all humility, all tranquility. He makes dead bones come to life and dead marriages and dead churches rise from strife. Who will help the church? The helper will. And he will not fail. But the Holy Spirit won't do it alone. He requires elders. Verse 28 says, pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. This word overseers means to watch over. It's one of two words used for elders in the New Testament. One is about age and spiritual maturity. The other is about function, watching over. We don't make elders. The Holy Spirit does. We don't call elders. God does. It's his prerogative and anointing. Jesus, through the Holy Spirit, anoints people in his body to care for his church. They're shepherds who serve under the good shepherds. Grace, love, and direction and guidance. And the Bible tells us in 1 Timothy, the very first quality that an elder has to have is desire. You have to want to be an elder. He who desires the office of an elder desires a good thing, the scripture says. And both Will and Dale have desired to be elders. Will, when he was a little boy, desired to serve the church. He used to walk around the house with his cassette Walkman, pretending it was a microphone. And he would preach and pray and sing into this microphone. Even as a little boy, he had a desire to serve the church. And that only increased through his teen years. And Dale, when I asked Dale, Dale, would you consider praying about being an elder? Dale looked at me and said, well, what's taken you so long to ask? I was kind of shocked in a good way. I thought, wow, you really want to be an elder. You really want to serve the church. And the first responsibility of an overseer is to be an example, the Bible says. Not what they do, it's who they are and how they live. Verse 28 says, pay careful attention to yourselves. Elders are not pointers. They're leaders. They're godly examples. They're devoted to God. They're devoted to God's purposes. And they're devoted to God's people. We can say, follow me as I follow Jesus. Because we're called to live a life that inspires other people by our example. And Barney and Jeanette have been a beautiful inspiration to many of us here who've known them for over 50 years. 
And the scripture goes on and says here that elders are to care for the church. That word means to feed, to nourish, to rule, to supply and guard. Elders don't own the church. The church belongs to Jesus, bought with his precious blood. But elders are to love the church, willing to sacrifice their time, their money, their preferences, even to lay down their very lives when necessary to care for Jesus' bride. And elders are to be vigilant and hardworking, the scripture says, in the care of the church because of the spiritual warfare that goes on. Paul says, be alert in verse 31. He says, fierce wolves are going to come in and try and devour you. Men with twisted teaching are going to try and draw you away. He said, I did not cease to admonish you day and night. And in all things, I've shown you that by working hard in this way. You know, there's always warfare around the church. There's always people who are offended. Always people with their personal agendas. Always selfish ambition working some way or jealousies. There's always criticalness and negativeness and people with pet doctrines who are pulling the church this way and pulling the church that way. And then there's people with brokenness and wounds, which we all have. Broken leaders and and, and broken congregations. And then there's the devil prowling around like a roaring lion. Who will help the church? The Holy Spirit will, and elders will. Elders are meant to care and be examples and love and serve, lay down their lives and work hard and pray. And maybe Dale and Will, you're having second thoughts at this moment and saying, How are we going to do this? Got to give ourselves away. How on earth are we going to do? We're not supermen. No, but you have a super helper. And his name is the Holy Spirit. He's the all-powerful one who's called alongside to help you, enable you, empower you. Barney prophesied a couple of years ago at our last leaders conference about how important it is to push fluids and to hydrate ourselves constantly. And his prophetic word was about the Holy Spirit. But the Bible says, Jesus himself said, the Holy Spirit is like a fountain of living water within us. And he prophesied and encouraged us to drink deeply from that fountain. Drink often. Depend on the Holy Spirit, who's not out there somewhere, but who resides within and among us. But the Holy Spirit and the elders can't do it alone. There's a third group that God requires. The church will never rise up and be all that Jesus has called it to be without this third group. Do you know who this third group is? It's you. It's you. Look at verse 28. Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock. And verse 32 says, give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. 
All the flock is needed. All those who are sanctified are necessary. When you have a revelation of the body of Christ, you understand God does not have plan B. You are it. The church. Plan A. Styrofoam cups. Chipped and cracked and broken. Every one of us. But we have a helper. The Holy Spirit. We are literally Jesus' body here on earth. His hands, his feet, his eyes, his mouth, his ears, his heart. And every single person is vital. Every child is vital. Children don't have a junior Holy Spirit. They're filled with the same power. Every teenager is vital. Every young adult is vital. Every young married is vital. Every young married with families is vital. Every older married with families is vital. Every middle aged, every senior is vital. I hope if you're over the age of 50 or 60 or 70 or even 80, you do not feel that there's no place for you. You have a vital place. Do you know the largest unsaved demographic in our, in our uh, uh, culture is now? It's the boomers. It's the old people. The old folks' homes are the harvest field for a whole category of people that are standing on the edge of eternity. And you know, I'm so grateful that Tony Grande and Heather were so vibrant in their faith. Tony was constantly witnessing, praying, blessing the staff that was serving. The the, the nurses, actually, they were crying when he died. He'd made such an impact on them. You are vital, no matter what age or stage you're at. You can't be a spectator any longer. You can't be half-hearted. You can't keep your bags packed, waiting to move on to something better or something greener. God is placing you and calling you. And you can't be a dunner. You can't be done with the church and check out and go do your own thing as some people are doing because Jesus is not done with the church. It's his precious bride. Who who will help the church? You will. You can help the church rise up and be all that Jesus has called you to be by loving each other. Verse 36, the last two verses are beautiful in this little passage. It says, when Paul had said these things, he knelt down and prayed with them all. And there was much weeping on the part of all. And they embraced Paul and kissed him. And they were sorrowful, most of all, because of the word he'd spoken. They wouldn't see his face again. And then they accompanied him to the ship. They just wouldn't let him go. These elders and their families loved Paul so much. They were hugging him, hanging on him, kissing him, weeping, and not wanting to let him go. And that was a reflection, I believe, of the church culture they had. It was the whole church in Ephesus, and that's the kind of church I want to be a part of. 
where people love one another, have a genuine affection for each other, where we don't speak ill of one another. We believe the best about each other. We're committed to each other, praying for each other. We don't give up on each other, even if we walk through good times or bad times, joyful times or painful times. We love one another. And many of you have exemplified that. It's a beautiful expression of who Jesus is. And we can help the church by walking in the light together, not hiding things, having authentic, honest relationships, confessing our faults to each other, dealing with issues, not sweeping them under the rug. And by investing ourselves, giving away our hearts taking our place, giving our time, our talents, our treasures. Jesus summed it all up, and Paul reminds us of Jesus' words in verse 35. He says, remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he himself said, it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. Jesus said, it's more of a blessing to give yourself away than it is to even receive. Well, who will help the church? It's awesome. We're going to get a chance to respond to this. And, And you might be saying, well, how can I do all this? How can I love and forgive and, and invest and, and walk in the light and give myself away? How can I do that? I'm not Superman and I'm not Wonder Woman. No. But you have the super helper and you have the wonder helper. And he lives inside. Who will help the church? In this urgent hour, in Canada's history, who will rise up? Who will take their place? Who will be all that Jesus wants the church to be? The Holy Spirit saying, I will. Dale and Will are saying, I will. And many of you have said, I will. And maybe you're here this morning and you have not said yes to Jesus yet. You'll have an opportunity to do that if you would like to do that. And maybe you're here and your bags are still packed. Maybe you think, oh, I'm just passing through. You'll have an opportunity to be able to say, no, I'll help the church. I will build the church up with whatever God gives me. Let's stand together. Elise is going to come and lead us in this song, and we're going to actually sing past the depressing statistics. And we're going to respond. And uh, I just want to encourage you, make your response to the Lord. I know many of you have. But today is an important day. Dale and Will are going to make their response. We're going to pray for them, lay hands on them. and I'm making a new response to the Lord, and maybe you would like to too. Let's.
sing the song. Now, we haven't sung this before. It's a new song. We've just learned it, but we have a helper. <laughs> 